before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the latest episode in the Endgame series featuring my co-host Bill Fleckenstein and our very special guest, Jeff Curry, the Global Head of Commodity Research at Goldman Sachs International Research. In what was a terrific conversation, Jeff helps us explore the role the commodity complex may play in the Endgame, explaining how only two asset classes are positive this year, hydrocarbons and carbohydrates, and what that might mean for markets and policymakers going forwards. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and Shifts Happen, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcast and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our excited community today. And now... On with the show. Well, Jeff, welcome to The Endgame. It's an absolute delight to have you join us um, in this series. It's, It's a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Great. Thanks for having me. There's so much to talk about in the commodity complex right now. And I want to kind of frame this with a conversation you and I had at the start of the year on another venue where you called really exactly what's happening without the, obviously, the advanced knowledge, I don't think, of the of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But you talked about the commodities complex and why you felt we were, we were setting up for a brand new bull market. And I want to kind of spend a lot of time talking about that. But I think it probably makes sense at the beginning to get some kind of sense of where you place where we are now in historical context and any similarities or differences that you see this time around from the 70s, from the early 2000s. So perhaps we could start with that. Yeah, I think first and foremost, the biggest difference is the policy response. Actually, they are kind of similar to the 70s in the sense you see windfall, profit taxes, power price caps, subsidies to to lower income consumers, um, re-regulation of these industries, and the list goes on. Um, but there's one other layer of this in terms of policy that really distinguishes, and that revolves around you know, ESG and the environmental policy, um, which is creating a further disincentive for investors to be able to make investments in this space. Um, and in terms of looking at what's going to solve these problems, there is only one solution, and that is investment. Um, And at this point right now, what we're seeing are outflows, Um, particularly for the last two to three months, whether if it's in the equities or in commodity-related credit, commodity-related equities, or the commodities themselves, um, what we've seen is huge declines in in outflows and over-recessionary concerns or whatever it might be um, at a time when the sector needs capital more than it ever has had. Are those outflows largely attributed to ESG concerns, or is it just a, a refusal to believe that um, this cycle survives any kind of recession and there'll be better entry points down the track? Yeah, I think there are three reasons why we're seeing that. And in 
Europe, ESG is at the top of that list. And in um, the United States, ESG is at the bottom. Asia is probably somewhere in between. Um, the, the second reason is just a history of really bad returns. When you look at the sector, um, you know, two years ago, oil prices were negative. Um, the, you know, I like to point out you know, that the, you know, look at the, you know, the, the EMPs during the last decade, they destroyed nearly 50 cents on every dollar they were given. And in the 1990s, it was 27 cents on every dollar they were given. Um, and that's far back as I know the history. So there was only a period from around 02 or 03 through 2011, 2012, that they weren't wealth destroying entities. And that's what sits in people's minds. Um, similarly, let's look at the commodity indices. You know, they were down 60% the last decade. That's wealth destruction in, in most people's memories. Um, so I think that that is a big hurdle to overcome, and it may even be bigger than the ESG one. I know it is in the U.S., not sure about Europe. Then the third reason is the volatility is just simply too high for, for many investors to stomach. You know, I'm, I mean, today alone, we're down $6.50. You know, it's over 5%. And by the way, it's not just oil, you know, beans, copper, all of it. And people look at that and they go, I just can't bear that type of volatility, but that's life in a physical market. It may not be life in a financial market, but in a physical market, it really is. Um, actually, I'm going to take a segue on that point that, you know, people go, oh, commodities, they're impossible to forecast. Um, I agree near term because they got the weather shocks and all these other things that are impossible to forecast. But the further you go out in time, the more stable they become. And it's the opposite of the financial markets. Another way to say this, I like to say um, commodity markets are really simple to model because they're dictated by economics, but incredibly to for- hard to forecast because it has things like weather. And the further you go out in time, the least important those weathers becomes. And then the more important supply and technology trends become, which are much easier to forecast. In contrast, when we think about financial markets, they're driven by expectations. You just got to figure out what everybody else thinks. Near term, um, you know, it's, it's much easier to figure out what everybody thinks. You know, right now it's all about a recession, but the further you go out, you know, it becomes really difficult to do it. So another way to say it, like to say, you know, financial markets um, are rather easy to forecast near term, but incredibly difficult longer term. Commodities are easier um, longer term, but incredibly different near term. And I think it's that difficulty in near term and the volatility that things like weather create, it makes investors want to avoid the space altogether. So those would be the top three reasons. I think the big issue is getting over those poor returns. And one last point on on, on this um, segue is the question about why do these super cycles last 12 years? The one in the 70s started in 68, ended in 80. The one in the 2000s started in 02 and ended in 14. I think I know why now. Because I asked an asset allocator recently, um, when are people going to put money into this space? And they said, they're waiting for a three-year track record for the sector. They want to see commodities generate returns for three years rolling. If they can do that, then they think the, the coast is clear to make investments. And I went back and I looked at it, and that was definitely the case in the 2000s. Bull market started in 02, money started to flow in 05. 
And then it mostly went into the equities. Um, and then that created massive cost inflation between 05 and 08. And then finally in 09 and 10, you started to de-bottleneck it. And by the time you were around 13, 14, you were de-bottlenecked. I remember we got bearish on commodities in October 2012 when we knew that super cycle was over because you had enough investment. So when you think about it, year one through three, you create a track record to let the capital in. Years four through six, the money flows in and there's not enough capacity. You can't throw a trillion dollars at an industry overnight and expect it to absorb it. It's going to create cost inflation. Prices rally again, which is why don't be thinking that you've missed this in any shape or form because once they spin, then you get the cost inflation. And then years seven through 12, you deep bottleneck it. But you know those are the key reasons that I think they're going to be really difficult to overcome. So I'm not going to say this is going to be an easy problem to, to get through. One last point, sorry, I'm belaboring it, is policy. And that's what another way it makes us different is all over the place. If all you need is clear, consistent policy, um, you know, then maybe it'll make it even that much more palatable to the to the investors. It's absolutely fascinating. I, I'm, I'm curious as to what you make of, because what you say makes so much sense given the fact that we've been through this period of the last number of years that's been highly speculative and an awful lot of short-term money chasing um, short-term profits, that seems to have burst now. And we're starting to see a period where people are looking more towards things that have some value rather than just growth prospects. Is Does that hot money factor into this anyway? Are we, are we likely to see? Because you, you would think that the volatility in commodities would be the perfect venue for some of this hot money to come piling into. Are you seeing that already or, or is it kind of licking its wounds still? It's licking its wounds. And I don't think it's, I mean, if anything, it's it's selling it. The hot money is selling the space over recessionary concerns. It's not buying it. And they don't believe it. You know, you look at the 2000s, it eventually came, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what happened in the lead up to the financial crisis. You know, there was a substantial amount of money in, in the system. By the way, the government, though, by March of 08, before we ever hit the peak in oil in July of 08, had done everything it can to get the money out. So it started collapsing relatively quickly because they don't want money in this space. They'll take money in, in equities and stuff like that. But when it's driving up the price of wheat, they don't want it. So I don't know, maybe it got beat up so bad in, um, in you know, 08 from the regulators, it doesn't come back in, but that's a threat. But so far though, there has been money going into European carbon credits, some of that hot money. Um, and, and, you know, you'd think that the European regulators would have, um, you know, pushed back because it is inflationary. It's bottom line, one thing that's different about commodities than financial markets, um, whether if it's carbon credits in Europe, it impacts electricity consumers are paying, or if it's weed, it impacts the bread at the, at the grocery store or gasoline at the pump. Um, the one thing that we did find out with that hot money is while it may impact the price near term, as it comes in, it'll create a spike. It can't last very long, which is the argument we made against the policymakers back in the 2000s that they should not push back so stringently on this money because ultimately the fundamentals matter. And here, I want to go through a reason why the hot money can't really drive it here is commodities are a zero-sum game. For every long, there is a short, and it's critical here. An equity is long only. The SEC controls the amount of supply of an equity. So when a 
investor buys an equity, he's buying against a vertical supply curve. So as he buys it, he can push it up. In commodities, in, in FX rates and commodities, your big futures markets, and ag was the first of these future markets. Full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.